You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And today we're sharing an interview Tom recently had with Juan Cabrera, superintendent of the El Paso Independent School District, about the role of school boards. Juan's had a very interesting journey to becoming superintendent in El Paso, which you can hear more about in Season 1, Episode 37 of the podcast, where he discusses how all children should be bilingual. But let's listen in here as he and Tom discuss his perspective on the role of school boards, especially when it comes to the innovation agenda. Juan Cabrera, welcome back to the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. We're going to talk about uh, school boards today, the role of uh, trustees and governance. And in particular, we're going to uh, talk about their role in shaping and supporting, monitoring, and uh, an innovation agenda. But but first, one, uh, you've had a lot of experience working with dozens of boards as an attorney. Uh, how do you reflect on boards as stewards for a district from a, a legal standpoint? You know, so I think that that really has has influenced, you know, where I am today. And it's really been an, an, an evolution for me. I, you know, I was a teacher and then a lawyer outside of school districts for, for 15 years. Then I became a school attorney. So my job was to get hired by school board trustees to be the general counsel, if you will, for the school district. So in that role, I, I definitely saw them uh, differently than I do now, sitting as a superintendent. But also from an ed reform or innovation agenda, I, I don't think... I saw the importance of trustees as much as I do now and the critical role they play in for us to be able to improve and turn around schools and and really help with not only the the governance and, and political issues we need to deal with internally to, to move an agenda, but primarily what a critical role they play in the community and, and helping us drive an agenda and do it quickly and efficiently and in a way that garners public support. So I've got a newfound love and appreciation for the importance of trustees, and, and I will say that I hope I can get others to understand and appreciate it. I, I can even tell you three, four, five years ago, this I would have had a completely different perspective on their role and the importance of their role. Uh, we're going to talk about improvement and innovation. Improvement is making things better. It's hard for a school district to do. It takes capacity and it takes uh, leadership. It takes uh, something we talk a lot about, political capital, and ma- making decisions about where you spend what political capital you have. Innovation is arguably even harder because you're introducing new things and maybe taking bigger risks. Um, when, when you think about the role of trustees, um, what, what role should they play in shaping and supporting and monitoring an innovation agenda? You know. I think even, well, let me just, if I can take a step back, if you would indulge me, just before you even get to that point about the innovation agenda, of thinking through the questions you're asking it, I think we have to be honest. Let's say I have seven trustees and myself, there's eight of us on a team that are leading the district. And we have to be honest about where we all are, akin to a classroom, right? Where are we, where are each of us in terms of understanding the roles and then understanding what's going on in education uh, and, and what impact we can have locally. So it's understanding the options of what we can do, understanding where we are as a district, and understanding the political issues that are involved internally and externally and doing all of that. So that that would be the first thing. If I was starting all over again, this is my fourth year as a superintendent, is being really clear about where everyone is and then being clear about where we want to go as a team 
and then and then it, I think it falls upon administration superintendent to decide which buttons to push, what levers to pull, and how we educate um, trustees to help us get there. At the end of the day, trustees are just people like us, and they want to feel confident. I think that everyone, now of course, we've got outliers, but I think everyone that serves as a trustee wants what's best for the district and wants to help and improve the lives of children. But they also don't want to be embarrassed or be in a situation where they just don't know what's going on and and probably left to their own vices may not defend administration if they don't if they don't have knowledge about a reform agenda or what's going on. So you got to be really careful about picking your spots and then educating them so that they can support the work of administration and help it move along. Uh, you've worked for both uh, an appointed board and an elected board. What's the difference? So the appointed board, it's interesting, the appointed board didn't really um, have an interest as much in the constituents, if you will. Our elected board is single-member district. A handful of those in Texas are single-member district. And so they're very much aligned with the feeder patterns and the areas of town they represent. And I've seen a stark contrast in the way they govern and work with uh, their constituents, which, which, by the way, is, is a democratic system, as opposed to an appointed board that was appointed by the commissioner and, you know, in, in their minds, worked directly for the commissioner, communicated with the commissioner, and was really there to, to you know, change policy quickly and try to create an infrastructure that would allow us to get back to an elected body. They're stark, they're, they're vastly different in the way that we moved, uh, you know, public comment and listening to constituents wasn't as much of an issue with the appointed board as it is now with our with our elected board. So Reed Hastings is the CEO of Netflix, and Reed has a, an interest in school governance, and he believes in appointed boards over elected boards um, because you have the opportunity in a, a nonprofit organization to appoint board members that support the mission and then sustain that mission um, over time. So uh, it, he would argue that, that is, it's difficult to sustain a mission with an elected board. What, what's your take on that? You know, I will say I would almost, I, I, I think a hybrid would be something because I do like now on the other side of this, although it was difficult, I really enjoyed my appointed board. We moved quickly very business-minded, understood the large budget. You know, we have a half a billion dollar budget, a lot of moving parts. I really enjoy that. But also, I'm now enjoying, although it does make it slower at times, I do enjoy the constituent feedback so that we can not only do what we think's right, but we're getting feedback from the community through the constituents. I would argue that, that, that appointed board members can be very um, helpful and are very it can be very important, but but I would probably now support a hybrid approach uh, to this, and um, and I think what you could do with, with the appointed board members is make sure that somebody always represents the business community as well, the larger community, as opposed to only sometimes you've got one or two issue constituents that can control votes and put trustees in. They don't always have the best interest of of the district uh, globally in mind. Becoming a trustee, serving as a trustee, has really uh, turned into a, a challenge. You have to raise a lot of money and go through what can be extended, difficult, contentious, expensive elections. And then it's just a lot of work. 
uh, how do you, you you mentioned having uh, business people on the board, but it it's now especially in a big district like El Paso, such a big job. How do we make this a a doable job? You, you couldn't have said it better. It's very time-consuming, and if you're really dedicated to, to not only reading the packet but staying involved in the committee meetings, if your district has some, it's easily at 10, 15, 20 hours a week on a good right. week and 40 or more if, if you know, on, on, on a tougher week. So it is very tough. But, you know, what I think about this um, is that this is so critically important. For example, in El Paso, we're the largest employer, and in many, many Texas cities, and in many cities across the country, the school districts, either collectively or independently, you know, I'm the largest employer with, with 10 other districts in the region. Together, we're easily collectively the largest sector of employment in, in that particular region. Uh, well, you know, there might be a couple others, maybe healthcare that have, have more, but we're, we're important, we're impactful. And I think, and obviously we, we have, we, we're educating the kids, which is critically important. What I'm trying to promulgate, what I'm talking in my community, I think it's a message we send across the community, is that you know, there was a time when the pillars of the community almost took their turn serving as trustees. And it was very common across the country where it was a very proud and prestigious thing, a role to serve. And then somehow... We, we've lost our way a bit more, and it became voting blocks and, and single, you know, two or three issue blocks of voters that took over trustee elections in many, many cities. Um, and I, I'm going to talk to business leaders and other folks across the community in different sectors to say we should encourage and build a pathway where you know executives in, in different sectors, nonprofit, for profit, across the community should be recruited by the CEOs of various organizations to come and serve in their 30s and 40s and be a part of the growth of, of the community, especially when they have kids in the district. I really think it's important. I think we need to elevate the level of importance of the trustee. And if we do that, we're gonna get better quality people. But, but the key is gonna be to make sure that employers appreciate the importance and give potential trustees the, the ability and the time to do the work. So on the uh, role of innovation, uh, should board members be the ones coming up with good ideas, or uh, do, do you see their role in uh, helping to assess risk around new ideas? Um, is it all of the above? Uh, how, do you, how do you see boards being involved in innovation? I think if you've got administration that's, that's worth their, their, their weight, they've got to be the one driving the innovation agenda because they're there in the work every day. I don't mind at all, especially if I've got some well-read and folks that research and study, I, you know, trustees that give me some ideas as long as they fit within our agenda. So very happy to get feedback from them. I really think that the perfect structure is one where administration is not only taking care of the basic blockland tackling, but looking for, for innovation to offer opportunity and increased engagement for kids, and then taking the time to educate the trustees so that when it comes time to vote and to pay for things. I mean, look, it, you know, I, 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 for example, if, if there's something in a co-op, I can spend 250000 and and without a co-op, I can spend 50000 Everything else goes to a board vote. You know, whether you like it or not, if you're a superintendent, you've got to educate people so that when it comes time to vote for initiatives, they understand what they're voting for. As I said earlier, I mean, I think folks that are in the trustee seats generally want what's good for districts, but they also want to be informed. They don't, they don't want to vote for something they don't understand. 
So I, uh, to answer the question again, I think we should drive it at the administration level, but we have to take the time to educate trustees to, to support our agendas. One thing I've appreciated about the, the trustees in El Paso is they've been actively involved in the, the question of what should kids know and be able to do. It feels like they, they were active uh, participants in, uh, the, in those community conversations that you held and, uh, and were really co-creators in, in constructing a, a new graduate profile. Is that you agree that that's an important role for them? Really proud of, of our trustees and their involvement. You know, we, we are coming off a, a horrific cheating scandal that impacted the community, and clearly it was a test prep focused district. And, and our trustees took it upon themselves to really spend the time listening to, to what I spoke to a lot, which was a more holistic, you know, SEL, social emotional focused education where we love and care and nurture these young young children that are growing into young adults and obviously, you know, meet our academic requirements and standards placed upon us by the state, but also make sure that it, it truly is a home away from home for, for kids. And I know some people may disagree with that approach, but, but that is what I believe, and, and thankfully my trustees believe the same, and our trustees believe the same, and they really have put the effort to try to build a community-based accountability system to answer the question, what is a great school? So in other words, we're, we're defining that. We're not letting the state accountability system define a score based on a few days of testing in the spring. We are working hard with our EPIC 2020 plan to define what we think is, is, a, is a great school and, and all the aspects of that holistically in supporting the growth and development of a child in and outside the academic area. And you've developed an, uh, an agenda, you, you call it uh, active learning. Um, and that, uh, that often produces a different set of outcomes. It, it, it may be partially evidenced by traditional measures like test scores, but you see it in a number of different ways. Um, you've seen dramatic reductions in, uh, in, in discipline problems at school, uh, improved behavior, improved student engagement. Um, talk about some of the positive indicators that you're seeing around active learning from uh, both the teachers that have been trained and some of your new uh, school development. That's tremendous. That's probably of all that we've done, I'm, I'm most proud of the fact that, um, and again, I think this is not directly related to academics. It's our focus on the holistic support and care and nurturing of, of these young children. Our discipline rates dropped by more than 50% under under my tenure. I think it's directly related to us focusing not only on, on the data that we're providing to children to help them meet the academic standards, but it's about also caring for them as young individuals, young human beings that are in our system and placing that, that burden upon our educators to do that. And, and our board wholly supports that and they believe in that. And, and I think our focus on the relationships we build with children the, the nurturing supports and, and, and boundaries we create for children has not only made a dramatic impact on that, but also we've seen better attendance rates, we're seeing kids more engaged, and we've got a number of instances in a number of our project-based learning schools that are very much holistically for, focused and not drill and kill, where those kids are performing better across the board on state accountability measures 
and and they they are literally the antithesis of a drill and kill narrow curriculum. They're very open-ended, uh, project-based learning, still standards-based, and the kids are getting the results we want, but, but they're really enjoying their education much more. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, and today we're talking about the role of the school board in the innovation agenda. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to hear more from other innovative school leaders, join our recent walking tour of downtown Boise to chat place-based learning with Nate McLennan of Teton Science School and Neva Geisler of One Stone in Season 2, Episode 70. In Season 2, Episode 46, Jim Detweiler, who's Assistant Superintendent in Boone County School District, shares how they designed their global competency program and why it's such a priority for this diverse region of Kentucky. You'll find both of these podcasts, as well as more than 100 others featuring education leaders from around the nation discussing topics from reinventing higher education to project-based learning, on our iTunes and SoundCloud channels. Be sure to subscribe and rate us while you're there, and we'd love it if you'd share with all of your friends and followers on social media. Next up on this episode, Tom and Juan chat about why it's important to help trustees understand the need to support social and emotional learning in schools, or what Juan calls the learning behind the learning as well as the need to teach students how to work in teams. This morning I listened to a podcast with Seth Godin where he talked about two things that he thought we should be teaching young people. Number one, how to lead. And number two, how to solve interesting problems. And when I visit uh, the New Tech schools in El Paso, I see young people learning how to lead and uh, and learning how to take on really complicated um interdisciplinary projects. Uh, but these sorts of initiatives can be challenging for, uh, for school trustees to support, right? Because they are often uh, a, a big budget line item. They may not have the, the, as much traditional research behind them mm-hmm. as, uh, as hoped. So in enacting these sorts of innovations, you're really um, asking your your trustees to go on a journey with you and to support an agenda. Um, what what can you say about what that's been like for them? That that is really challenging. It it is. You're right because at the end of the day, I call this a learning behind the learning. So, we have a standards based agenda at the state level, just as every state does, and that's backward designed. You know, in a sense, by by getting you to get to the end of April or May and get past the state accountability with hopefully you know, successful measures. And the trustees know that that's the state scorecard. That's what they're, what they're looked at. So to get them to believe in what I call the learning behind the learning, it's, it's a social emotional skill, it's a leadership, it's a problem solving, creative thinking, collaboration, getting them to work with their peers, solve problem with their peers. None of those are required by the state with regard to the standards they place upon us. But in my conversations with business leaders and people doing the hiring and firing in different organizations, 99% of the time, it's these things they ask me about. The character, the social skills of a child, their ability to interact, their ability to solve problems. You know, there's only two kind of employees in this world. You either take problems off somebody's desk or you add problems to their desk. And, and everybody <laughs> that hires and fires people wants people to take problems off their desk. I don't know how we do that by just teaching, you know, uh, the four core areas because those don't help teach the social skills. I think not only do I think I know that it's possible if you have the focus to not only teach all of the core academic requirements, but teach again the social, emotional, the learning behind the learning, the life learning, 
these skills that make you successful, not only in business, but in life. The coping skills, right? The self-management, the agency. If you focus, it can be done, and we can hopefully have a stronger child that's academically prepared, but also prepared for life in personal and, and, and work relationships. Here's another uh, quote from yesterday. Uh, Dr. Atul Gawande uh, was talking to Tyler Cowen about uh, the professions, and he said, most professions have become so uh, complicated that we've moved out of this craft phase where an individual attorney or doctor or teacher uh, can deliver great results by themselves that in almost every case, we're working in teams. And the, yes. the science of delivering great results in teams is now uh, perhaps the most important thing that we can uh, help teach young uh, children. I, this this feels like it links back to that Godin quote of learning to lead, learning to solve big problems that's often uh, in a team. And uh, I've enjoyed watching uh, students in your your project-based schools uh, learning learning these lessons. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I can say I think you and I both have this experience as many probably of our listeners do that not only do we live in the education space, but we spend time outside of it watching, you know, people live and work in, in, in corporate America and in nonprofits. And it, 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 it seems it's just amazing to me that the days of the, the lone employee sitting by themselves, you know, working through a craft or, or some academic discipline they learned, I just very rarely see that. Those days, the industrial age, it's just gone. I mean, it's it, it's about teams and who can work in teams and who can help build a positive culture and all of the things we talk about that make a successful organization uh, have to do with, with, again, these social and emotional skills and these agency skills, collaboration and whatnot. So how, what is our, I mean, I think th- there's the big question as I see facing education today is what is our role in that, because I'll have some parents tell me, you know what, stay out of my business of the social emotional well-being of my child. I got that, I got that at home. I don't need your help. Just get them the academics. I beg to differ. I've got three kids in public school, and 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 I know that they're influenced as much or more by what happens to them every day in in the schools as they are by what I can do on the evenings and weekends and a few vacations here and there. I want my schools to teach teach my kids those skills, the collaboration skills and the leadership skills and the public communication skills. Look, I, we, we, we have an educated household. I mean, my, you know, my wife and I are, are, are highly educated and you know, we, we do, I think we do a great job parenting, but I still want the community that supports my children to help them grow and develop and, as young adults and hopefully reinforce the values that we support at home. And, and that's why I think it's critical, uh, you know, for us to think about what's the purpose of school? Is it, we've talked about this, Tom, and I've read about this in some of your blogs. Are, are we dumping data and, and memorizing things? Or are we teaching kids how to think because data is so much easier to get their hands on? And then what's our role in the social emotional, in the sort of, you know, the, the four C's, if you will? And, and I think that's a conundrum we face. And, and we've got to run that up to the state houses because... If it still is only about the test rather than more of a broad-based accountability system, I just think we're missing a, a golden opportunity to have, have a positive impact on children. Let's, let's close with thinking about delivering in teams at the board level. Um, 
You've worked with boards uh, for many years now. Um, what are the secrets of uh, getting boards to work together effectively in, in what can often be a, a supercharged political environment? Gosh, I, I wish I could tell you that I haven't failed and stumbled, but I, we learn from stumbles. I think given, you know, you mentioned polit- politically charged environments, but I think you as a superintendent, as a former superintendent, would tell me it, it's, it's broader than that, right? It's also the personalities that sometimes just don't mix well. I mean, what do you do with that? That's completely separate. There's political agendas, and then there's personalities. And then you've got, so, so for me, I think the, you've got to find something that unifies everyone, irrespective of, of where they sit on the political spectrum, and irrespective of, of, you know, hopefully not, but you often have folks that have two or three single agendas. They're coming with a focus to achieve two or three things, either because their constituents want it or that's just something they're passionate about. I think the only way to manage the political quagmire and the different personalities is to find common goals. And then once you develop those lanes, you just run down them as fast as you can. I just don't think there's any other way. And I think, you know, I know that we were joking earlier about how this has got to be a boring podcast <laughs> to talk about trustees, but I'm telling you, I, I think it's been too long now, and I want to be the champion of this. We have not spoken publicly about the importance of trustees in changing and sustaining change in school districts, and I'm hoping that this can be the beginning of many conversations, uh, getting them involved in this work in a way that, that we coalesce around improving opportunities uh, for kids. I know many trustees in Texas uh, appreciate Carver's policy governance model where you just get really clear about uh, what's the administration's role and what's the board's role, and uh, then you really try to, to monitor that, get the board clear on on aims and get the administration clear on uh, means. And, and so I, I appreciate uh, the training that your trustees have been through in this and, uh, and it's becoming common across America, because as you said, this is a really important job. It's a a really difficult job. So um, making it doable and uh, and as administrators supporting uh, the the success of of our trustees is uh, is super important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and I'm I'm happy to, you know, not only lead this discussion, but but continue to, to talk to trustees about the importance of this role and and talk and write about that. And, you know, in fact, last year for the first time in, in the history of South by Southwest EDU, we had a trustee panel that, that I helped put together because I believe so strongly that this needs to be a parallel discussion. You know, we spent too many years talking about innovation at the, you know, sort of the external thought leadership level. Somebody like Getting Smart does a great job at that. And then we, we talked to administrators, but we haven't included trustees in that conversation. And I think they need to be part of it if we want to move quickly and we want to sustain the work. Because one, one point I can tell you, and we got to think about this is important, without a doubt, in every city in America, trustees have a longer tenure than superintendents. And if we wait for the superintendent to come and change the agenda each time, as opposed to the community driving the agenda, supported through the trustees, then we're constantly stopping and starting at school districts rather than hiring superintendents that'll help drive the agenda that was created by the community. That's the way school districts should operate. That's the way you have long-term sustainability. 
and consistency for not only this, the kids, but for the employees. Remember, think about it. Teams can't function successfully unless they have role and goal clarity. I've heard you say that many times. And role and goal clarity comes from consistency in, in the work. And unless the trustees own the community agenda, superintendents will come in every three to five years and stop the work and start it again and leave, and we're back to where we started. Juan Cabrera, El Paso Superintendent, thanks for uh, joining us again on the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks to Juan Cabrera for speaking with us today and to Tom for another great interview. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Kat signing off.